You know, each year since my heart attack, I receive a letter from the, the local health centre and it's asking me to go for a checkup. And when I go, they test, uh, do tests and they ask questions. And when they ask questions, I tell them how I am. You know, how do you feel? I'll tell them how I feel. I'm telling them, I'm okay, you know, I'm good. I'm fine, I feel good, I feel great. My appointment was on Thursday. <coughs> it's good to make a self-assessment. It's good to make a self-assessment of your physical health. You know, to take the time to just stop and think, am I eating too much sugar? Am I taking too little exercise? So, if I can do that, why did I bother to keep the appointment with the doctor on Thursday? There's a question. Fine, I'm okay. It's because he's the expert and he knows what to look for. And not only that, he knows how to find it. I can measure it my own physical health. But my assessment will always fall short of the doctor's assessment. I need to trust the right person. I want you to keep that in mind. I needed to trust, not just myself. I needed to trust the right person, even when I felt fine. I'm a printer by trade. And as a printer, my work was checked by a proofreader. Don't like getting our work checked, do we? Well, in print, your work is checked by a proofreader. And the reason for that is that we don't always spot our own mistakes. And the job of a proofreader is to identify and highlight and correct any mistakes that he might find. And it's necessary for someone to do that. Now, I don't know how things are with, you know, modern technology, but when I was working in print, when I was working in the production of books, a book was read at least five times before it was published. That was during the print process. That's even before the author and all the things he's done and those who read his notes. When it gets into the print position, it's set and then it's read. And it's read at different stages in the production of the proof. When I was doing it, it was at least five times. And very often it was done by different people. That, that's interesting as well. So remember that as well. We seldom spot our own mistakes. There's two things for you to remember this morning as we go through this passage. As a believer, it's good to take time to assess our spiritual health. We might feel we're doing okay. We probably are. But there's nothing wrong in maybe sitting down, really just assessing how good you are as a believer. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth. You can read this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 through to 9. 
And he's speaking to them really on this, this same subject. And this is what he said to the church there. And remember, he's speaking to the church. His letter went to the church, like we are here. What would have happened? It's a little bit like if we had a missionary letter and we read it out to you. That's what would happen with Paul's letters. They would be read out to the whole church. And probably what it was. And then maybe they have a big meeting to get around and talk about it. I don't know. He said this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. He's speaking to believers. But the letter's going to the whole church. So there would be a mixture of people within that church. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Well, there's a little bit for those who maybe are not really understanding what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about believers. So what he's saying is, ask yourself the question, have I taken Jesus as my Savior? And he's saying there, if not, why not? Then he goes on. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So if you're looking to see if you are a believer, and Paul is speaking to the church, he's saying, you will discover that you are a believer if you've taken Jesus as your saviour. Paul is saying, I know who I'm speaking to. I know I'm speaking to those who believe in the gospel, who are sure that they are saved. And they are saved from God's judgment. But he's still asking them to examine, examine themselves. And he goes on, now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. You do, don't you? You still sin. That's why Paul is saying it. Now pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed to get hold of that. Get the depth of what Paul is saying here. You know, you want to pray that you don't do anything wrong, but there will be times when you do. And then you need to correct it, but not so that people can see how good you are, so people can see who you are. And he goes on, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Paul reminds them that they will still sin, but they must fight against the desire to sin. And he tells them that this is not to show people how good that they can be, but for them to make sure that they are being as good as they ought to be. Be who you are, a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And this is for the truth of the gospel, because that can't be denied. Even if we speak against it, it cannot be denied. And for God's glory, not our glory. Just be who we ought to be because of who we are, a believer, an acceptor 
of who Jesus is. And then he goes on and says, we're glad whenever we are weak, but we are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. Now get that a little bit. Fully restored. Restored back to what? Not to be saved, you've already done that. But restored to be back to who you ought to be. And that people might see who you really are. And they won't say, oh, isn't he great? They'll say, that person's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. She's a follower of Jesus. They can see it in our lives. Remember what I said earlier. Because Paul is talking here about being restored by the grace of God. We seldom spot our own mistakes. It's true, isn't it? We do things wrong, we don't really realise it, we don't notice it. Sometimes people will tell us, hey, do you know you did wrong? <laughs> and realise that. What David is doing in this psalm that we read together is he's, he's going a step further than a self-assessment. He's going to the one who he can trust. And he's asked the Lord to vindicate him. He goes to the right person. There's the two things. We don't spot our own mistakes. We miss them. But they're there. And we need to go to the right person. He asks the Lord for what we might call a spiritual checkup. He's asking the Lord to proofread his life. You see, this word vindicate means proofread my life. Take a look at it and see if it's okay. It might be. I think it is. But then it might not be. And you, Lord, will know whether it is or it isn't. This is what David is doing. David's desire was to stay true to the Lord at a time when others around him were practicing hypocrisy. He wanted to stay clear of that road, the road that they were traveling. He didn't want to be drawn into their way of life. Now, we could spend a lot of time looking at this, and looking at the life of David, and looking at why he wrote this psalm, why he wrote it in this way. We will refer to it a little bit in a moment. But there's a great deal of depth here. Uh, things are happening in David's life that are causing him to do this. Psalm 26, verse 1 to 3. First of all, vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I've trusted in the Lord and have not altered. How does David know that? Because he's made the self-assessment. He's assessed his spiritual condition. In the same way that I did when I checked my physical condition. And I told the doctor that I thought, physically, I'm okay. Ah, all right. Okay. But David is telling the Lord how he sees his spiritual condition as he sees it through his own eyes. And you know, get this. David, this great man, this king, you know, this leader of man, this believer in God, the, the writer of all these, uh, not all, but most of these songs that we have in our Bibles. David is humble enough and he's humble enough to bow to a higher authority. 
and he's brave enough to ask to be tested. I get that. That's a challenge, isn't it? He says in verse 2, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. You want to stop for a moment and think about that. This is not a request for the Lord to set him some kind of test so that he can go and perform that test and prove to the Lord that he's good enough to do it. You know, uh, give me something you want me to do, Lord, and I'll go and do it, and then you'll know how good I am. That's not the type of test that David is asking for. He's not trying to gain favour with God. He's seeking confirmation that what he's doing is what the Lord wants him to do. David's request is for what we might call on our uh, physical thought, taking it over to the spiritual. He's asking for maybe what you might say, a deep spiritual scan. That's what he's asking for. He's saying, look deep into my heart. See if the seat of my affections and my emotions are truly righteous. I have these emotions, I have these feelings, I have these desires. And I think they're okay. But Lord, I want you to examine. I want you to look deep. I want you to look deep into my mind and see if my thoughts are pure. You know, we very often level ourselves against other people. When we feel as though we're doing something a little bit wrong or maybe we're thinking I shouldn't be doing this, we always come back with that phrase, don't we? Well, I'm not as bad as him or as bad as her. You know, if that pointed to me like that, I wasn't pointing to you deliberately. Pointing in the middle. That's what we do, don't we? we? We justify ourselves. We say, well, it's not really bad. It, it, it's okay. Look at, they do it. He does it and she does it. And then look at what other people do. It's nothing as bad as that. David's saying, put me through that scanner. Look deep inside of me. Look at my heart. David wants, what David wants, is what Paul wanted for the believers in Philippi. And we can see that when we come to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And I'm just going to read a little bit to you about that, because this is what was on Paul's heart, that he wanted the believers in Philippi to, to do this and to be like this. And David wants to be like this. It's the same thing that Paul is talking about. And it says, he wants the peace of God which transcends all understanding. And he wants that peace of God that will guard his heart and his mind. And it's in the Lord that David will find it. And who is the Lord? The Lord is the one who came to earth and took on the name of Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the Christ, that's the same person that David is talking about, the Lord, that Paul is talking about. David wants the Lord. 
to look at his heart. He needs to believe it. So let's go back to Psalm 26 and verse 3. David said, For well, I've always been merciful to your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. David is not saying that he's sinless. But what David's doing is he is saying that he is sincere. David saying, I'm not sinless, but I'm sincere. David is doing this, bringing this to the Lord, because he knows the reality of the fact that we can be sincerely wrong. I've been sincerely wrong on occasions. Don't think that you've upset people. I did it out of the sincerity of my heart, but it was the wrong thing to do. I was just really wrong. David knows this. David is saying to the Lord, test the sincerity of the love that I have for you and let it be proved to be genuine and not hypocritical. He's speaking from experience. He knows that the Lord loves him. He knows how the Lord has remained faithful to him, even when David didn't deserve it. And we know, we read through the life of David, the times when he didn't deserve God's love. But he knew and experienced through those times that God never stopped loving him. God loves him. He's speaking from that experience. David knows that he can trust the Lord. David's desire is to follow the Lord and he wants the Lord to correct him correct him if he's not doing it with the right heart and for the right reasons then he wants the Lord to point it out to him and to guide him in the right direction he might be okay self-assessment yeah, it's good. But when God looks at us, that could be a different story, couldn't it? Even when he looks at the Christian, at the believer. If he's not doing it right, if he doesn't have the right heart, if he's not doing it for the right reasons, then he wants the Lord to point it out. It's what the proofreader does. You know, sometimes my copy came back and it was all okay. It was proofread. That is fine, I was vindicated. Sometimes it came back and it wasn't. Sometimes it got through the first proofreader, the second proofreader, the third proofreader, and the fourth proofreader. And sometimes, I'll tell you what we used to do. When you print a book out, you print it on what you call a galley pole. It is like a piece of wallpaper page one, page two, page three, page four and it's on a clip and it's hung up and it's a book and you know what people do? Have you seen that book? Have you read any of it? Oh, I'm going to have a read I'm going to have a read of the book and then, you know, you go, whoa that's felt wrong, isn't it? <laughs> that's not, oh, gives me pencil that's not even a book reader that's just somebody observing you know 
you're a believer, if you're a Christian, they're watching you. Derek would know that song, Boys Brigade used to always sing when he went to speak there, and he sang, he used to love that song. People are watching you. What did he say? Well, David goes on in verse 4 and 5. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of the evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I and on, what's David doing here? I, I, I. Tell me what he's not doing. He's not boasting. He's not saying to God, look how good I am. These are the things that he avoids, not to earn the Lord's love. He already has that. But it's to show that he, David, loves the Lord. See that? And he goes on in verse 6, 7 and 8. I wash my hands in innocence and I go about your altar, Lord. Proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. These are the things that David does. Not because he feels he has to, but because he wants to feel the desire from his heart in those few words. He wants to be with the Lord. He wants to be with the Lord's people. He wants to tell others about the love that the Lord has for him and that love that he has for them. You know, I, I mentioned, and you might be thinking, well, why did David write this song in this way? Why is he self-examining his spiritual condition? Why is he is he taking the time to pray to God and to ask God to make sure he's doing things right? Because this was probably written at the time when, when on, a, on a practical basis, David was being criticized for not being right. It was probably the time of his son, Absalom's rebellion against him. And Absalom, his son, was turning people against David. He was saying things about the life of David, about the, the, the way David managed the country. He said Absalom wanted to take over the country. He wanted to be king. He wanted to dethrone his father. And David would have had all this in his, if you like, his physical life, in his personal life. And in this time, David wanted to be sure he was right in his spiritual life. That's why he says, Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty. People were after his blood. And in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. Absalom was going around, building up his, his entourage, bribing people, lying about his father, bringing his father down. You think David felt very confident? He certainly wouldn't, but he wanted to feel confident in his spiritual life. He wanted to feel confident in the Lord. He wanted to be sure that he was right with God, no matter what people were saying about him. 
can understand why David would write this psalm in this way. He would look at himself. Why is everybody saying this about me? Why are people trying to get rid of me? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And then he'd look at his heart and he'd think, well, what am I doing not so much in the light of men's eyes? How do I stand in the light of God's eyes? Verse 11, I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. This psalm is not about David's duty to the Lord. It's about David's devotion to the Lord. It's not about seeking confirmation. It is about seeking confirmation from the one we can trust. The one he has come to. The one who David knows is the right person. David knows that the Lord knows him better than he even knows himself. He's the only one who can keep David faithful. David longs to remain faithful. His request is for a clean bill of spiritual health. He's already been administered with a, a bill of the rest of his life. People saying he's wrong, he's not right. He wants to be sure he's right with God. And he's come to the right person who will help him achieve that. This is a challenge to every one of us today, isn't it? A challenge to every person who calls themselves a Christian. A challenge from a man who the Lord referred to as being a man after my own heart. That's what God said about David. You can read that in Acts 13. And then we come to the end of this psalm, Psalm 26. David said, my feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. David is saying that his spiritual foundations are firm and they're sure. He cries out to the Lord to help him build on this. And he's saying, help me to be a worthy builder in the house of the Lord. People are seeing that he, or are saying he's failed as a king. He hasn't really. But he wants to be the perfect builder in the house of the Lord. He knows and he trusts that his salvation is sure. That's not what he's talking about here. Salvation is sure. Despite his many faults and failings, he knows that one day he will be with the Lord in glory. David's desire is for God to apply God's yardstick to his life. What about us this morning? Will we allow God to apply his yardstick to our life? You know, when we know Jesus as our Saviour, we still need Him to make us and keep us righteous. We live in a difficult world. Some parts of this world are more difficult to live in as a Christian than others. If you don't know Jesus as your Saviour, then you need Him to make 
be righteous because he's the only one who can. Let's do that. One of the things we can do this morning is to listen to what Paul said in his letter to the church at Rome. And I'm going to finish with this. And I just want us to think about it. Think about what we've looked at. Think about the song that we've looked at, the things that Paul has said, and think about what, the Paul, what Paul is going to say to us now, just as we close. And these will be familiar words, but I want you to think of them in the context of what we've looked at this morning, in a, in a personal way. It's from Romans 3, it's just verse 23 through to 26, but just listen to them and just make a comment. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You've heard that many times, and it's true. You can't even deny that. And David went on. He went on to say this. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is that although we're all sinners in the sight of God, we can be forgiven by God because of what Jesus has done for us. Well, you might ask the question, huh? What did Jesus do for us? Well, Paul goes on in these few words and he tells us. This is what he says. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. The punishment was paid when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus took the punishment for all sins when he did that so that we could be saved from God's wrath. David was included in that. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price that hadn't been paid fully up to that point for even David's sin. That's why David could call him Lord. Why did he do? That's why. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See, he did that because he loves us. God loves us. Jesus loves us. And we, by faith, by believing and trusting in Jesus, can be made right with God, justified. You know, the thing here. You realise that when you're justified, you're justified. That's just a one-off. When you come to Jesus and accept him as your saviour, you are justified and you stay justified. Even though you still sin. Righteousness. He makes us righteous. We become righteous. But we need to keep that. We need to build upon that. We need to allow God to keep on keeping us righteous. Your justification once saved, you're saved. Righteousness. That's how you have to live by the hand of God, by the grace of God, when you are saved.
you know, just goes. Many people will make their own self-assessment when it comes to religion and God and Jesus. And they reach a conclusion that they are all right with God. Well, I'm okay. Like I said before, that self-assessment is so easy to justify every wrong that we do. And it's so easy to point the finger to somebody else who is obviously worse than we are and say, well, I'm not as bad as them. God's eyes we are. When God looks at our life and when he makes his assessment, he looks deep into our hearts. And when he looks deep into us, he sees and he looks for one or two things. He will always see a sinner. But the two things he will see is a condemned sinner or a sinner who has been saved by grace. Which side of the line are you on? Because there's no middle ground. In the eyes of man, we can be really good people and the best of people in the eyes of God will either be a sinner who will face the wrath of God or a sinner who has been saved from God's wrath by the grace given by the death and resurrection of Jesus. We pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather around you in this way. I know sometimes we, we struggle to take everything in. Well, Father, our prayer this morning is that we will have seen something of you and that we will see you as our Saviour. And in that, we can rejoice and have a desire to be like David and want to live as you would have us live so that people can see who we really are. Sir, saved by grace. Is anybody here who's not taking that step of faith? Well, Father, you can speak to their hearts right now. We pray that you will draw them to you. We can ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. And our Father, we just ask your blessing upon our time of friendship and fellowship now as we enjoy this tea, coffee and biscuits. And we can enjoy each other's company. We do it in the knowledge that you are here with us. As we ask it again in the name of Jesus. Amen.